Hello, and welcome to the commentary for Lesson 367, Hosea 5 and 6. So here we have a whole lot more about God's wrath and then a call to repentance. The first part of this chapter 5 is particularly to the leaders in Israel. That would be the priests. And verse 1 says, Judgment has been handed down against you, for you have led the people into a snare by worshiping the idols at Mizpah and Tabor. So the priests themselves were worshiping idols. And of course, they set the standard. The people in their towns look to them. And if the priests are doing it, then they think it's okay too. So they set the standard, like I said. So they led the people to deep sin. And then verse 2 says, You have dug a deep pit to trap them at Acacia Grove. Now, my study Bible says that the meaning of the Hebrew for the sentence is uncertain. So I don't know if, because that was curious to me. I, I would have dug into that a little bit more, but it doesn't seem like Bible scholars really understand this verse. You have dug a deep pit to trap them at Acacia Grove. But you know what? I really feel like that was probably a literal sentence, that that is something that happened and we just, we don't quite understand it yet. The Hebrew meaning of the, not just the word Acacia Grove, like where is that, what is that, but the sentence, they don't really know. So that was just interesting. Then we go down to verse three, and I really, you know, this is God's wrath and repentance. We know this. The Bible cycles through the story over and over again. But I always like to find a couple little nuggets to share with you. So I also found one in verse 3. It says, I know what you are like, O Ephraim. Um, Just so you know, when it refers in this passage to Ephraim, it's talking, that word is used interchangeably as Israel. Okay, because it was in the northern. um, Well, let me read you what my study Bible says. Ephraim is another name for Israel, the northern kingdom, because Ephraim was the most powerful of the ten tribes in the north. In the same way, the southern kingdom was called Judah after its most powerful tribe. Just interesting. Um, And then in verse 8, it says, Sound the alarm in Gibeah, blow the trumpet in Ramah, raise the battle cry in Beth-Avon. So this is This is a widespread issue. This isn't localized idolatry. This is all over the land. And remember, God wanted to spare Judah. He gave them a warning. Do not follow after Israel and their idol worship. But unfortunately, we see here that Judah did follow. And so he had to punish them as well. And why does he do that? Well, first of all, because he's holy and he requires... I mean, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Um, And so we are not to put idols before God, and that's what they were doing. So in verse 8, when it's going through all these places that are problems, sound the alarm in Gibeah, blow the trumpet in Ramah, raise the battle cry in Beth-Avon. Beth-Avon, this is interesting, and I've read that t- the name of that town several times, but I never realized that Beth-Avon is the same thing as Bethel. It's the same town. They changed the name because Bethel, the meaning of the name of that town, is house of God. It's changed in scripture to Beth-Avon because 
that word means house of wickedness. Isn't that interesting? So same place, different name because of what's going on. Because the word Bethel, house of God, certainly no longer applies to this town. So they rename it Beth. Scripture renames it. God renames it Beth Aven. Interesting, right? Now back up to verse 7 a little bit. And it says, they have betrayed the honor of the Lord bearing children that are not his. That's another reference to Hosea's wife. Now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. So this is referring to their false religion. I just watched the coolest YouTube video about a Mormon, a young man who was a Mormon and he converted to Christianity. And it was so good and so powerful, his testimony. Okay, it is um, from 2013. The title is Ex-Mormon Gives Most Incredible Testimony Ever. It will give you the chills. Micah Wilder of Adams Road, and he's speaking at a church in San Jacinto, Jacinto, California. Anyways, he's, speak, he's speaking at a church in California in 2013. And his story is amazing. And it just, it was ironic that I listened to his story on YouTube and was moved by his story. And then I went to read my lesson today and it said, now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. So make no mistake, Mormonism is a false religion because it relies on the works of the people. People have to earn their way to salvation. But we know the New Testament and Jesus teaches us that that is not true, that we are not saved by works so that no man can boast. We are saved by grace, by Jesus's death on the cross. He paid the punishment for our sin. And all we have to do is believe in him and we are saved, not by works so that no man can boast. Then we move to verse 15. It says, Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. Wrap your brain around that for a bit. I could meditate on that one scripture because God is saying they're going to have to go through this because they need, they need punishment. But it's more than just punishment. It's for training. It's punishment for a purpose. God doesn't allow us to go through hard times without there being a reason for it. He longs to have relationship with us. And when we constantly turn our back and turn against him, after a while, he's going to say, because God is a gentleman, he never forces us into relationship with him. He offers it, but we have to accept it. Ultimately, we still have a decision to make. Let me read that again, verse 15. Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. He's returning to his place. God is returning to his place. That means he's going back up to sit on his throne in heaven. He's not going to be among his people. We know that in Israel, especially Jerusalem, God said in the Old Testament that he would walk with them. He would be with them. He would be their God and they would be his people. And he's saying here, I'm not going to be there for you anymore. I'm going back to my throne. You're on your own. So he knows that that's what it takes. Sometimes some people 
myself included, I just don't get it until I hit a brick wall. I have to make the mistake. I have to hit the brick wall. And then I go, oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, let me try again. Now, the the more mistakes I make, the, the more I realize and eventually I get it through my hard-headedness that the only thing that I can count on is God. The only thing that never lets me down is God. I can put all my efforts, all my faith into people. I can put it into things and everything is going to disappoint me. But the good news, the gospel, the faith, in Jesus Christ. Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. We're talking about the trench here. As soon as they're in the trench, they're going to call out to me. It's as predictable as the sunrise, right? We ignore God. We ignore God. We ignore God. We put them on the back burner. We don't have time for you, God. We are so busy. Soon as trouble comes, we're in that trench. All of a sudden, we're like, God, Jesus, you're my best friend. What do I do now? And he knows that. He knows that it requires that sometimes. And he's willing to let it happen, not because he's mean and he's this eye in the sky just waiting for us to mess up so he can zap us with a lightning bolt. That's not our God. God loves us so much that he even though it pains him to see us suffer, allows it to happen sometimes because that's what's required. That's what we need sometimes. We have to hit the brick wall so we can come back to him. I love that. And then, of course, it goes into the call of repentance in chapter 6. Verse 6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Remember in the Old Testament, God was all about these sacrifices. But they've gotten so reliant on these religious practices, these sacrifices, that they've forgotten all about relationship with God. They've forgotten that he is to be their God and they are to be his people. He is with them. He says, I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. So that should be a key to us that even before we get to the New Testament and Jesus' teachings, that it wasn't just Jesus that said, it's not all about the offerings and the sacrifices and the religious practices. It's about relationship. It's not about the rules. It's about relationship. I think that's where people are getting a little off track these days. And I think that's why it seems religion and church are such a turnoff to people right now because they're living in sin and they don't, they see religion and church and all of that. They see it as a bunch of rules and they'll be accountable to something. So they don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's not about that at all. God just wants to love us and he wants us to love him. He wants to be our God and for us to be his people love that. And that's a reminder to us that, um, I think that's my takeaway for this, that it's not about the things we do. It's not about our actions. We can never earn our way to salvation. It's about relationship. Do we know him? Do we spend time in his word? That's the only way to get to know him. And I realized today I sort of had a convicting moment that 
If I don't have an hour or two to sit down and study God's word, I just don't get to it that day. And today I had an aha moment and I feel so silly that I have failed as of late to do something other than prayer to hear God's word every day. Um, I used to be good about it because when I drove in the car to go pick up the boys, I would listen to podcasts. I would listen to Anne Graham Lotz or I would listen to um, praise music or I would do something that I feel like filled my juice box, right? But I realized I haven't been doing that and I need God every single day. I need to hear from him, even if I don't have an hour or more to get into a study, whether it be a Bible study class that I'm taking or this podcast, I need his word every day. And so I am on the hunt to find something that is just five minutes a day. First thing in the morning, I'm probably going to start read my reading my um I have a little book that's called 100 favorite bible verses for women. I think I might just cuz each lesson is probably like 3 minutes to read. I might just sit down with my coffee every every morning, read that little word and just have it be what wakes me up in the morning. Have it be the first thing my brain is thinking about in the morning. Uh because If I'm honest, I know that I need it and I know that I haven't been doing it. So that's something that convicted me today and a new habit that I am going to try Um, because a couple times a week is not enough. I need more. So anyways, that's it for today. I hope you all have a great day and I will talk to you soon.